You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. Uh, if you've got time, go and follow us on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank, L-Y-L-E-S-W-I-T-H-E-N-B-A-N-K, at Ethos Pelicans is the show. Guys, huge show today. Uh, we're joined by a very special guest. We haven't had a guest for a while, so I thought I'd spoil you. First of the month and all of that sort of jazz. Uh, I am joined by the fantastic editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, Ollie Cassell. Ollie, how are you going? I'm going great, Lyle. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked, but I mean, I know we go back and forth on Twitter. But I'll tell you what, Pelicans, compared to, I think, to where we talked last time, we were just hoping for a playing tournament. Now that looks like that's going to be a reality. Question is, are they going to get 9 or 10? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, I think it was, it was more... Uh, optimism that may have been uh, unfounded at the time. I think we were a bit of doom and gloom and then all of a sudden the turnaround and and we're sitting there looking at 10th spot in the rear view mirror. Fingers crossed we can hold on to that and um, I think we'll be not too bad in terms of the way the Spurs and the uh, and the Lakers are sort of working things out. Um, what have you found in the last, well since we last spoke, I suppose it was, oh it might have been the end of last year I think or January. Um what have you seen the turnaround in this January, February, March sort of run that we've we've really turned it around? Yeah, so it's it's important actually, Lyle, because for those people that like the national narratives still like to put out there, they're they've got mixed emotions on the Pelicans. But if you followed them closely, if you just honestly just watch a couple of games every month, you would have noticed the improvement in the team, in their play, the chemistry, and of course how it affects the record. Right, they're winning. Since February 1st, and this is going even back to before they landed C.J. McCollum in a trade along with Larry Nance and Tony Snell, they've been one of the best teams in the league, right? They've been in the top 10 offensively and defensively. And even though the record isn't crazy good, the fact that some of those wins have been so magnanimous, right, by, the, by a large margin, especially those four out of the all-star break, that's what I think we're seeing the potential of this team. When they're healthy and when they've been together, we're seeing a team, honestly, that I think can put a little bit of fear into the playoff teams. Now, of course, if the Pelicans, where they're slated to end up, right, playing tournament, their best bet is to get in the eighth. 
they're probably not going to put too much fear in the Phoenix Suns. I mean, it's the best team in the league. But had they been fortunate enough to maybe eke in the seventh, things would have been a lot more interesting because I think this team now has finally found its stride. A lot of players are playing optimal basketball. You've got the stars doing their thing, right? Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and Jonas Valanciunas. But they're surrounded by perfect cast members. Look, in past years, I don't know how long people have been watching this team. It's been an issue on several factors, right? Stopping the ball, right, at, at the point of attack. They've never had a guard or a wing that can really do that. People thought Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe could do it. Drew Holiday was pretty good, right? Yeah, Drew Holiday's an all-NBA defender, but he couldn't do it alone. Now the Pelicans have several guys. So defensively, they've got the bases covered. Offensively, as I just mentioned, those three stars, they can put that ball in the hole. And so I just love, you know, honestly, the options that Willie Green has. He's got, you know, he can go 11 deep when they're fully healthy without Zion Williamson. And, and that makes a difference, right? We've seen how teams with depth, and I'm looking at the Memphis Grizzlies, what it means in the win-loss column. So I really think this team has just been trending upwards. They're really coming together. And there's what, just a handful of games left. But I think that a playing term is definitely in store. And we can probably expect for them to host that play-in tournament because I think that ninth, you know, that ninth spot is theirs for the taking. They've got a good, good, decent amount of lead over the Lakers and the Spurs. And those two teams, while the Spurs have been playing better, the Lakers haven't. You just feel comfortable that the, you know, the Pels are going to be able to take care of enough business because their schedule is easy enough, right? They're going to, they should be able to knock off their remaining opponents to where they'll get that ninth spot. Yeah, I'm with you. And I mean, looking at the uh, the upcoming, well, the rest of the road trip, I suppose we're playing, was it Lakers tomorrow uh, and then Clippers and then Sacramento. So, I mean, if you can win two out of three of those or even three and three or oh, three and zero, you know, that's what you really want to um, strive for. I think it holds us in really good stead. I, I know the, the Spurs losing yesterday against Memphis really helped us a bit, a little bit because it puts yes. them a game and a half behind. Um Watching the last that was a tough loss for San Antonio. Lau. You see that last play of the game? Oh, that's a, yeah, exactly. a um, yeah. You know, I feel for Keldon Johnson because he watched that and it was halfway down and then decided it was coming back out. And I don't feel yeah. for them. No. The Spurs <laughs> yeah. have always had the Spurs have always had that kind of uh mystique over the Pelicans where seemingly every year, right? They've either just done better overall, they've had the key wins, right? Outside of 2014-15 season where the Pelicans had to win their final season game. I know those that remember, but Anthony Davis, Tyreek Evans, they beat the Spurs to get into the playoffs. And that's probably the only good memory I have of the Pelicans facing the Spurs. Well, besides that 40-point win that we had uh, earlier on in the season, I'll take that as well. <laughs> yeah, as long as it translates. But I'm talking about something that's meaningful where you can look back on, right? And, hey, that mattered for the positive, right? There hasn't been too many of those instances for New Orleans. And you can never count out a, a Popovich-led team. I think um, no. they are just – the way they adjust in-game is something that I, I think is unmatched by other uh, teams and coaches throughout the league. I think he, he's seen everything. He's invented so many different things. He's won at the highest level. And oh, when he – the way they adjusted against us uh, in that game, we just dropped against them uh, when we dropped it late in the first side of the back-to-back. -back. I mean – it was testament to him there. We were, I think we came out thinking that we were going to um, slap them again. We knew they were going to respond, but um, probably not to the degree that they did. Um, I, I think uh, the big thing that I've noticed from the Pels in this last 
probably run where we've really turned it around, uh, well, since probably February 1, is that consistency. I think that's really changed from quarter to quarter, uh, even, well, even adjusting to getting back to what Willie Green wants to do. Um, we might even start a game slow, and we've done that throughout probably most of uh, January and, and February and March. But the reaction, getting back to what Willie Green wants to do, and I think the buy-in has been really, really good, whether that was post-trade, pre-trade. I think everyone has bought into Willie Green. Uh, have you seen that really translate, the, uh, the, the complete buy-in from the team? I will say that the buy-in's always been there. Honestly, because I have followed this team since training camp and they had a miserable preseason. They would go through quarters where they just couldn't score, honestly, Lyle. And of course, Brandon Ingram missed a lot of it, of the preseason. Um, Jonas was only available seemingly for half the time, but they looked like a dis disjointed bunch, right? They had just been basically thrown together. A lot of these guys are playing together for the first time and it showed. So since that time, that chemistry has grown. But as far as the buy-in, I think it's been from day one and it has never wavered. And that is unusual because I've covered this team, honestly, since its inception. And that has not been the case. So this is atypical of everything that we've seen in their franchise history. So that goes to show you it's a testament to Willie Green and his coaching staff. It's also a testament to the players that uh, David Griffin's assembled in that locker room. So there's a lot of accolades that have to be given. So that's where I think the national media falters. They look at just the overall record, right? And they look at the bad stretches and they, and they look at this team that, okay, so they're playing their best ball, but it's still not that much over 500 and they still don't have Zion. And boy, he's, he a question mark. They love to somehow throw that into a loop as somehow that's still factoring on this season. No, no, no. I, I just think all that analysis is flat out wrong. This team is, is honestly playing like a top six team to me on, on, on a given night in the West. And that says a lot. Because even though the East is much stronger this year, the West is still no cupcake. So I know that in the playing tournament, there's a couple of teams that aren't even 500. And you look at the East, even Atlanta Hawks are over 500, and they're in 10th. But that doesn't talk, describe on the quality of play that the Pelicans have put forward over the last few months. And I think that's the key. Which way are the teams trending? And for the Pelicans, they're trending upwards. And I want to say this. You just mentioned the quarters. The Pelicans have been the best third quarter team in the league since December 1st in the entire league. So that means to me that not only are these players buying in, not only are they good, right, together out there on the court, the coaching staff makes great adjustments at halftime. So all the culmination of all these factors leads you to believe that this team is going nowhere but up, right? That's why I'm so hopeful that they're not only going to make the playing tournament, chances are they're going to be able to host one here in New Orleans, and chances are they're going to at least win one game. Yeah, 100%. And uh, very excited to see that. Uh, and I think the Pelicans aren't uh, shying away from the moment. All of the post-game discussions they have, and they say, oh, yep, so we've won this one. What's the plan going forward? And they say it's, it's playoffs. It's playing and then playoffs. And that seems to be the goal. And when you have a young, hungry group, that are trending the right way, that are playing the right way and, and are willing to adjust and, you know, change what they're doing in game. The, the future is pretty bright. And I might be, I, I don't feel like I'm getting ahead of myself by saying that. And one thing that really stuck with me is they were playing the rookies really early on in the season and, and we we're one and 12 and, you know, and then perhaps, you know, Trey Murphy drops out of the rotation, Jose, 
hadn't really broken through yet. Kyra was playing it. Giving all these young guys reps, we're really seeing that starting to translate now, trusting these guys in late-game situations. All of a sudden, in March, we're closing with three rookies on the, on the court. How uh, important has that been for the team as a whole to have those young guys really start to break through and get those reps early to now translate to, to March, April? It's everything, Lyle, because, look, the key still is development. And it's the future because you are a stacked roster full of young guys that are inexperienced. They haven't been to the playoffs. They haven't really experienced, you know, what it takes um, beyond a regular season to win a ball game. So you've seen the growth, honestly, is what it's been. And Herb Jones, he was able to pretty much step in right away, right? Willie Green was able to trust him almost right off the bat. He saw something, the coaching staff saw something in him during uh, the voluntary workouts and, of course, in summer league to where they felt comfortable. Hey, he can go ahead and play 30 minutes a game starting the season. And sure enough, he's never once fallen on his face. Jose Alvarado took a little bit more time. And honestly, he's the most unexpected one, right? Because he was on a two-way contract. I fully expected him to be most spending most of his time in Birmingham with the G League. But you know what? Opportunity opened up and also he seized it. He has been such a positive out there on the court. So when you look at like any kind of advanced stats, he's right up there with any of those top rookies, right? There's Franz Wagner, uh, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham's moved up. Scotty Barnes has been there. Herb Jones has always been up there, but Jose Alvarado's name is right there. And then you look at these on-off numbers. All Alvarado does is make a positive impact anytime he plays. So that speaks volumes for a guy that's a rookie. Look, I know he played four years in Georgia Tech, so that's different than a guy that's, you know, spends just one year in college. But still, to make that jump from college to NBA is huge. And for Jose to be able to have his talent shine and be able to be that positive um, influence out there on the court, it shows to me that he's not only an NBA player, but he's going to be in the league for a long time. And that that really honestly can be said of a lot of these young guys on the Pelicans roster. You know, they had started the season with a lot of hope that their existing young core could, you know, somehow manufacture something into something really great. That didn't really work out. And of course, a trade opened up a possibility where CJ McCollum was available and you had to give away Nikhil. But I'll tell you what, even though Nikhil didn't really shine, I still believe in him, but removing him, from honestly the rotation and then several other guys like Garrett Temple guys that weren't honestly producing on any kind of consistent base. And now you're just getting guys that are producing positives whenever on the court has been absolutely huge. Now you don't rely on just one or two guys to carry you kind of like what LeBron James needs to do in LA, right? When he's on the court, he's got to make sure he builds up a lead before he sits because otherwise that team's just going to crumble. That's not the case with this team. When you go to the bench now, when Willie Green goes to the bench, he's probably feeling pretty much, you know, there's a, a lot of confidence in these young guys because at the start of the season, it wasn't there. I don't know if people remember, but when, whenever he went to the bench, things honestly would crumble. And, you know, that whether it was Garrett Temple, Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, as you mentioned, Najee Marshall, who fell out of the rotation, these guys just weren't producing, but now they are. And they've all grown. And so not only has Willie Green been able to develop these young guys, it's also resulted in winning. So it's been like the best of both worlds. So that's why you feel so positive about this team's future because you see this young talent shining, but the team is also winning and they're doing it together and they're all filling, fulfilling certain roles. And 
you know, I, I just can't honestly be more hopeful when you base it on all past experiences of these other teams, right? Whether it's understand uh, or Alvin, or even going back to Monty Williams, I've never seen a season like this to where you can have this much hope. You're not just hanging your hat on your superstar, like Pelicans had to do slash Hornets with Chris Paul and Anthony Davis. And of course, Zion of late. Now you feel comfortable whether Zion wants to be here or not, because you've seen enough to where you feel confident this team is an above 500 team. Absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned Jose, he landed the big contract as well. He, uh, the contract extension, changing it from the two-way deal. Um, I mean, it's probably a little bit weird, but I feel really proud of these guys. I don't know what it is. I'm just so invested in this team this year. And I, I don't know how they've managed to build such a culture that everyone that's talking about the Pelicans, that covers the Pelicans, that is a fan of the Pelicans, is everyone's up and about. And it's almost, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a new feeling, I think, over the last few years where it's sort of been a bit, you know, we've had the COVID and, um, you know, last season was was upsetting the year before, you know, we had Zion out for most of it. And um, there's been a real changing, well, changing narrative, I guess, to use the, uh, the buzzword that has been floating around the buzz phrase. Um, the one thing, yeah, well, speaking of Jose, I'll jump back to that before we move on. I don't think I've talked about it on this podcast, but he did get a four year deal, um, two years guaranteed. And then I think it's two years um, non-guaranteed after that, I guess. Um how was that moment? I mean, you've been around the team. How are the guys reacted to that? We saw Brandon Ingram taking photos on his digital camera or even film camera. I think it was a bit of a throwback. Uh, vintage for these young guys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that footage alone tells you what they think of him, right? They don't look at, his, at him as some guy that barely made the roster and he's the 15th guy and, okay, maybe he's a good, you know, feel-good story. He's so much more than that because he does impact winning. He's always there in the battle. He's always there supporting his teammates if he's not in the game. But when he's out there, he's giving you 110%. He's giving you that type of rare effort that you only see out of a selective few in the NBA, right? I mean, it's easy to throw comparisons to Patrick Beverly or TJ McConnell, uh, McConnell because that's what they're known for, right? When they're out there on the court, they make their stamp defensively. And that's what Jose has – basically for the most part done, but I'll tell you what, I see so much more in his game. You know, last night he grabbed an important offensive rebound late in the game to where it led to a Pelican score when, you know, honestly the game wasn't decided yet. He also knows when to strike, when to attack, when to put, apply pressure on the, uh, the opponent's defense, when to come up with one of his, you know, patented steals. If it's not patented, it should be, right? I mean, that, that's taken, I feel like, the NBA by storm on how he can just hide in a corner, sneak around to some uh, opponent that's, you know, totally not understanding that, hey, Jose's the guy that's guarding me. Wait, where is he on the court, right? So he did, he did that to uh, Chris Dunn and several others over the past, you know, few months. And yet it's funny that he's able to do it game to game. But that's just one, one side of his impact to me. He's so much more than just being able to come up with three or four steals in a game. And so to see Willie, Billy Hernan Gomez, uh, Brandon Ingram, I think there were several other players there when he was signing his new contract. Like I said, it speaks volumes because this team is as close together as I've ever seen in New Orleans. All these guys are always cheering for each other, rooting each other on, and they just want to spend time with each other. They feel like, honestly, it's, it feels like a college atmosphere to me. And that's something you never see in the NBA because everybody's playing, you know, 
to their own games. You've got the stars, then you've got the role players. And only those special moments seem to come up when the team is honestly winning a lot, right? And they make the playoffs and they go on deep runs. That's where you see that type of atmosphere arise. But with this team that's well under 500, we've seen it. And we've seen it for months. And Jose's been right in the center of all these things. So he deserves just as much accolade as honestly to me as say a Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum, because he's been instrumental in what this team has achieved, especially over these last few months. He's been fantastic. Honestly, he comes in the game and you can see when the guys start a little bit slower, maybe in the first quarter and the starters aren't ticking along, he comes in and just gives them a burst of energy and takes control of the game. And, and that's what you want from your, your point guard, whether that's a starter or a backup. I need to understand what's going on and, um, I guess, uh, you know, control the, the pace of the game, the movement of the ball. And so from that stand, standpoint, you know, his assist to turnover ratio is something outrageous. He just doesn't hardly turn the ball over at all, um, but seems to make that right play. And, and what I've really liked from him is his ability to go into the, or penetrate the defense and then find that open player, whether that is a... a a layup, whether that's three-pointer, you know, that all of those sort of things, um, whether, yeah, finding that guy in the corner. I just I just think he's a really, really smart player. And as his offensive game continues to grow, we're seeing all of these different things. The giant killer that we always hear about uh, when he does a little floater into the paint and that three-point shot's looking really good. Now, I'm, I'm so proud of Jose. It's, it's really good. Uh, another guy that's come really good is Trey Murphy. We saw it in the summer league. Um, you know, that confidence was an all-time high. He then sat uh, after a few, uh, I suppose, nervous games. That's what I sort of came across as at the start of the season. He appeared nervous. Um, you know, that confidence in himself some, some went somewhere. I don't know, maybe shot wasn't falling. And, and um, he then took a seat, went down to Birmingham, absolutely dominated down there. And I think he realised that, hang on, I am uh, an NBA player. And when he came back, the game seemed to have slowed down for him, uh, for him you know, and Shot started falling, that confidence started growing. And um, what have you seen from Trey Murphy and his resurgence, I guess? Can you talk to that? Yeah, so Trey fell out of the rotation after the first, what, six, five, six weeks of the season. And, and honestly, he showed that he wasn't ready. I know there's a lot of fans that will clamor that he just wasn't given the same opportunity as, say, at Garrett Temple. But I didn't see a guy that was confident on the court, as you mentioned. I remember him catching the ball on wings, and if he was guarded pretty closely, tightly, the only thing he wanted to do was get rid of the ball as soon as possible. And that led to some turnovers and you could just see the indecisiveness and, you know, it's just a lack of confidence in the NBA. You've got to have it at all times. And so I think Willie Green made the right decision on honestly removing him from the rotation because not only offensively, he didn't have that confidence. Defensively, he was still making mistakes. The rotations weren't there. And I, I went back and checked. So people that say, hey, he should have still gotten minutes over, say, Garrett Temple, I don't agree with that. Garrett at least won't make those defensive mistakes. He will also be kind of an extension of the coach out there on the court. And that was important for this squad because a lot of those young guys weren't playing well to start the season. I mean, it's easy to overlook now because Garrett has never really given you anything offensively. But early in the season, Pelicans weren't, weren't good on both sides of the ball. So at least Garrett Temple was trying to tell guys where to be in, in what position and stuff like that. Cause Jackson wasn't playing the way he is now. Um, Jose wasn't even in the rotation, but Najee, he, he just like Trey Murphy didn't perform well when he was given the opportunity, but now these guys are. And with Trey, you're seeing that this guy is so much more than just a shooter. 
And I'll tell you what, while he was uh, not in a rotation, yeah, he, he went to Birmingham for four games and he excelled. But what I saw when he was with the team, he was taking his uh, practice time completely seriously. He was working so hard in five-on-fives, for instance, before games, to where he was giving maximum effort and working on the weaknesses. And for him, that is honestly ball handling, decision-making, stuff like that. And I saw him run so many pick and rolls to a tee or just look for a shot. And it didn't have to be a three. He would try and find a way to the rim. And what have we seen over the last few weeks? He's now getting to the rim. And that's in in that Spurs game and that Lakers game, especially he came up with some crucial buckets inside the lane. And I remember one where he had a scoop shot for an and one against the Lakers. So yeah, his three pointers, they were huge, but he did so much more than that, right? And and he's also been grabbing you offensive rebounds. Defensively, he's now not lost. He's using his length. He understands where he should be. And so now Willie Green has a legitimate weapon off the court. So this is who I think the Pelicans envisioned when they drafted him because he'd been in college a long time, just like Jose and her, but it didn't click for him right away. Now things have clicked. And now he's shown, honestly, that he's a valuable contributor. Oh, honestly, um, there was there was moments even in the game yesterday, and I know we're not we're not going to touch on it very much. Uh, the Trailblazers, the ugly victory is what I've been calling it. Um, you know the we, the struggle victory. Um, there was even a moment where he went for a massive putback again. He missed the end up missing the rebound. I think Jonas was not happy because he was going to gobble it. That was towards the end of the third, I think. And um, <laughs> the athleticism, you just if you haven't been watching him, you don't understand how athletic this fella is. Like he comes from nowhere. There was, there's been a couple of big putbacks. He dunked over um, Wenyan Gabriel in the Lakers game, which was just unbelievable. And being that three-dimensional scorer uh, and as well as a, a very competent defender has been such a big turnaround for Trey Murphy. He has all the tools available and to watch that um, really come to fruition, it's just you can see this guy, why they didn't want to get rid of him at the trade deadline, why this guy they see as um, part of the future because he's got everything there. It's just, and it's just starting to click. And I think it's just scratching the surface. He could be a really, really dangerous wing going forward. Now to segue into this ugly win, um, the Pelicans took on the trailblazers. CJ McCollum's first game back in Portland after uh, the trade very emotional night. Uh, CJ spoke about how uh, emotionally draining, mentally, physically draining it was to be back there. I can imagine it's just surreal, I guess. He's, he's, he's back home in the comforts of his own home with his wife, with his new baby. How did you find this game? And I suppose um, part B of that is how did you find CJ's sort of reaction to it? He, he tried to really play down how big of a moment it was. Yeah, he did. And I'll tell you what, the Pelicans got off to a great start. They were up 18 to nine early. And then I think that first time out happened or shortly thereafter, he had his tribute video. That's right. And I, I felt like that just knocked the wind out of the Pelicans' sails because all of a sudden, you know, I mean, Macklemore and then the rest of the bunch in Portland started making threes and they looked like the more active bunch. They were getting into all the loose balls. And it's not like the Pelicans weren't trying, but they just weren't playing at their maximum effort that we normally see them at. And so it did have an effect, I think. Um, I don't know whether they maybe thought as a collective whole that they could just come into, you know, Portland and get this win because it's against a non-competitive, quote-unquote, bunch. 
but that didn't prove to be the case because usually, and it's proven true because I've watched a lot of Pelicans games in the past several seasons to where even though the team is out of right playoff contention, you still got all these young guys trying to, you know, put their foot through the door, right? Cement their status in the league. So you're going to have all these young guys trying to, you know, basically they're going to be exerting their maximum effort to make sure they stay in the league. And I think that's what we saw last night. I mean, Drew Eubanks, he matched almost point for point with Jonas Valanciunas. And while I think Valanciunas is definitely the more skilled player, Eubanks held his own because of, you know, his wittingness and, and, and just effort level. And, and that, you know, could, could be said of a lot of other guys on the trailblazers. And so, yeah, you end up in fighting. All of a sudden you find yourself in this game to where it's so competitive because now they have confidence and the Pelicans couldn't make a three to save their life. I want to say they started, what was it? Three of 18, three of 19 from three well into the second half before a few of them went down. And thankfully Trey Murphy knocked down a few of those because those were big buckets, but yeah, those games tend to happen. So you can't overlook any opponent. People may think that you can just look at a win-loss record or just think, okay, this team's obviously just playing for lottery position in the draft, but it doesn't mean that to the players that are still on the court, right? So like I said, Ben McLemore, he was trying his hard, hard out, Chris Dunn, and then a lot of other guys that I don't, I'm not too familiar with, right? LMB, uh, Brandon Williams, you know, Portland's got some decent young talent, but, you know, anybody that I think steps out in the NBA court has talent but either way the pelicans overcame that and that's probably the biggest takeaway they didn't come out with the effort they needed to they didn't set the tone outside of the first few minutes or try to seize it until the fourth but yet they were still able to get the win so that's like i said speaks volumes and and that's what you want to do you're not going to look great every night you just got to make sure that you get the win and that's what they did so it was really mission accomplished yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, people just look back and say, oh, yeah, we beat the Trailblazers X amount of times. We won this many games. We lost this many games. Um, I thought the main thing was that we won. I think it was take the W and just get out of there and head on head on to, to LA and, and get settled there. Um, it was a real arm wrestle. And, and like you said, all of these guys are NBA players and these young guys, they want to stick around in the league. So if you're given an opportunity, they're going to play hard. And that was really apparent when guys like Blevins and Williams and Brown and all these different guys that I don't, I've never heard of or haven't heard much of throughout the journey. And they're coming out and splashing threes and chirping to the crowd and getting into it. And Eubanks wrestling with Jonas throwing into the ground. They wanted to play and they want, and that is something I, I think I've seen a bit with the Pelicans is we play really, really well against um, the good sides and then we're a bit lackadaisical against teams that we're meant to beat. And whether that's, I mean, there was a lot going on in this game, so I can imagine that sort of uh, plays a big role as well. But Antonio Daniels, the, uh, the commentator for the Pels in the broadcast, said, you know, you don't want to come out and play with your food. And it did appear after that first um, time out where the wind was really taken out of the sails that it was almost like it's just going to happen. CJ started hot. We're up by 18 to 9. And then they go on a 13-0 run and all of a sudden it's, oh gosh, we've got a game on our hands here. And um, I think that's probably the next step in the development with the guys is the teams you have to beat, you just put them away early and, and then you just keep fighting, fighting, fighting until you can then have a rest. Because I think that was the plan is that Jonas wouldn't have to play in the fourth quarter, rest his foot. You know, there's a few guys uh, that could probably do with a, with a bit of a rest and uh, 
Yeah, unfortunately, we found ourselves in a in a bit of a match right down to the end. But take the W. Uh, next game is the Lakers. They're talking LeBron's coming back because, of course, he is. And uh, Anthony Davis is a game time decision as well. Big game, big game for the Pelicans. What what do you want to see in this in front of a Lakers crowd that uh, is out for blood? I guess after our last two wins. The biggest thing is you learned your lesson by not paying enough attention to LeBron James. If he's a go, he absolutely mauled the Pelicans, you know, this past Sunday in that first half. And really in the first four minutes, you know, he had scored 10 of the, I think Lakers first 12 points and New Orleans didn't have a, you know, a single point yet to their name. And LeBron intentionally did that. He wanted to set a tone. He was probably hoping that if I just throw that first big knockout punch, right? A haymaker, I'm going to catch the Pelicans and we're going to be able to ride this to victory. Obviously, that improved the case, but you could tell that LeBron really understands on what it takes, and he tried to maximize that effort. So you've got to think he's going to do it again, but I'll guarantee you that he's not going to be given the space to do it because I, I rewatched those first four minutes of that game, and you know he was just able to run off some simple screens, get some switches that were more friendly to him, right? get rid of Herb Jones, basically. So he, I remember him scoring once over Brandon Ingram. I think he also got matched up against CJ McCollum and probably even Jonas was a third time. But either way, that didn't happen in that second half because Willie Green made the adjustment like, look, Herb, you're going to stay glued to him. And so if there is a, a screen set on you, we're going to make sure that the other man that's involved, your, your teammate, that he's going to cover LeBron while you're trying to get back in the position. So they basically had two men at all times on LeBron in the second half, and they worked to a T. So I don't know how much his sprained ankle affected him in the second half, but I know LeBron was still, to my eyes, moving pretty well out there because, remember, he came up with a goaltending on C.J. McCollum. He had no problem getting up in the air with that lift, right, to block that away. Uh, so, yeah, I attribute more to the adjustments that Willie Green made. So I'm hoping to see that they kind of have that game plan where we're going to come out, we're going to try to basically push, uh, dictate, I should say, dictate the pace, as far as Anthony Davis, I don't know what we should expect, right? He's missed so much time. So Jackson Hayes will likely be matched up against him. Athletically, you know, he's got the talent, but does he have it, you know, mentally, right? Does he know how to basically play Anthony Davis and, and get in the right positions for all those, uh, you know, positions so fine within the offense? Because AD, they're going to look to ride him in that, court, uh, in that game, whether he's 100% healthy or not to just alleviate some pressure off of LeBron with Jackson. It's never been really a talent factor, but does he just know what he should be looking for and, and make sure you stay away from the foul. So yeah, I'm going to just going to be watching those two matchups, right. On how the Pelicans basically make somebody else beat you. Cause I think that's the key. All right. To beating the Lakers, make sure that you've got Stanley Johnson or whoever's out there shooting those outside jumpers to beat you. Don't let, don't give LeBron an opportunity for one-on-ones or same thing with AD, right. To where these guys know how to, score when they're just matched up against just a single defender make it hard on them if you make it hard on them i think the pelicans will be just fine yeah 100 percent. and uh yeah i completely agree with the jackson um there's no doubting his uh his talent at all it is just going to be whether or not ad can bait him into some early fouls and disrupt what's going to happen i suppose having larry nance helps we'll be able to rotate through that as well and perhaps trey goes to him and i think you know there's there's for the first time, I think for a long time, we've had this ability to be able to switch a whole heap of different guys defensively. And um, that's that's been a real revelation. Um, 
before we wrap up, and I appreciate your time uh, tonight, Ollie. It's been fantastic chat as always. What do you want to see this last five games? I know we touched on a little bit, or five, six games. What do you what do you want to see from the Pels that would just satisfy where we're at heading into the play-in? Um, yeah, discuss. <laughs> yeah, so no, you just want to see the, the trend that we talked about earlier, right? They've been trending upwards since the start of the season. So you just want to see them maintain that high level of play, right? So where you're executing on both sides of the ball because they're, they're more than capable. So you just bring the effort. You treat every game like it's a playoff game almost, right? And I, I have no doubt that they will because that, that's what they've proven. They're going to give you everything they've got on most nights. I just want to see it every night here on out because, look, even though they have a lead over the Spurs and the Lakers, it's not a big lead. And so even though there's six games left, their magic number is five. So that just goes to show if one of these teams behind them suddenly gets hot, well, they have to win five of their last six just to keep in ninth, right? So it's very important to win every single game here on out. And really, I, I, I don't want to say that you don't want to like reach for anything more than that. Because, look, Willie Green's got a deep rotation. The depth is there. You know who your stars are. So it really just comes down to just bringing it every night, right? Just play within your role. And I think the players have been doing a much better job of that. I mean, I'm specifically looking at, like, say, Najee Marshall, who was a little bit out of control earlier in the year. Now he's playing his role to a T. So when, say, for instance, if Herb Jones get into foul trouble, now I feel pretty comfortable that Najee's going to come in and he's going to give you pretty similar defensive intensity, maybe not the exact same type of outcomes because he just, you know, who's as talented as Herb on coming up with those type of steals and stuff like that. But Najee can still play very well, right? He can still really shut down or make it at least very hard on the opponent. So there, I feel like there's depth at every position. And I'm glad you Mary, uh, mentioned Larry Nance. I know he's only played just a handful of games, but boy, he looks like such a solid pickup. So if Jackson, say, falters against Anthony Davis, I feel very confident that Willie can turn to the bench and say, look, hey, Larry, I need you. Can you cover AD? I have no, um, no, no, no doubt that he can handle the task. He may not be able to stop him every night because AD's when he's right, he's, he's still like a top five, top ten talent. But Larry Nance can effectively – do his job and making it hard right on AD. And I feel like you can say that about everybody that comes into the rotation now. So yeah, you just want to see them continue right down this path of where every single guy that comes in, they'll play to their role and as a collective whole that they end up winning because everybody fulfills their task and their schedule isn't that hard, even though that, right. They're going to face a Lakers team. That's probably going to have AD and LeBron. And of course, when they face the Clippers a couple of nights later, Paul George is back, but that still doesn't frighten me. I mean, look, they've beaten the Clippers with Paul George. They are three and zero against the Clippers. You've got to make sure that you get the win against the Kings after that, because the Kings honestly have fallen off a map and they've given the Pels trouble all season. They haven't passed years too, but just, right just execute and if you do that you're going to win more games than you lose and you should keep your head above water for the rest of the season yeah i'm excited i'm yeah chomping at the bit saturday morning for me to watch the uh the lakers so i'm looking forward to that we wake up bright and early tomorrow to to get into that um ollie thank you so much for your time it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you do you have anything um that's happening over at the uh the bird rights at the moment bird calls have been listening uh, avidly, which has been fantastic. Your conversations are always great on there. And uh, is anything coming up? 
Yeah, thanks, Alan. No, we're just going to hopefully be preparing right for the playing tournament slash postseason run. I mean, that's going to be exciting because, honestly, my favorite time I've ever had was in the 2017-18 season where, of course, the Pels had DeMarcus Cousins at the start of the year, but they lost him to an Achilles injury, but traded for Nikola Miritich, and that team just came together, right? They had a 10-game winning streak. They had then a five-game winning streak ending the postseason. I just felt very confident with that team to where I even wrote – they're going to wallop the Portland Trailblazers. So even though ESPN, they had this whole panel that picked against New Orleans and, and pretty easily, I might add, I didn't see it that way. So I'm hoping I can see similar things to where I can write, not only that my biases will shine through, but I can actually factually point to things to where, hey, don't count this team out because I feel like, honestly, there's some noise being made here in New Orleans. Absolutely. I'm with you. Ollie, thank you so much. Um, yeah, appreciate your time. Absolutely, Lyle. This was fun, bud. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So thank you once again to Ollie for joining us, guys. You can go and follow all of the stuff going on over at the Bird Rights and Ollie over at Ollie Cassell, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L, and at the Bird Rights. Uh, you can go and check out their website as well. They've got plenty of stuff going on over there. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up now. Um, fantastic chat, as we know. Uh, we take the Lakers on tomorrow my time, so it'll be Friday night uh, in Los Angeles. It's going to be a huge one, so we've got to make sure we all get around it. Uh, we'll be enjoying the broadcast. I think it's a national broadcast, actually, so a real chance for the Pels to show out on primetime TV, and uh, that's what we want to see. We want to see them dig in and play some good basketball. So I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, thank you once again to Ollie. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. Go Pels, bye for now.